Welcome to Morning Commute. I'm Brad Doles. And I am Sam Albert. You know, Brad and I have been friends for many years. Uh, that's true. Probably, I don't know, five or more. And we've built this friendship on making conversations that we talk about basically anything we can think about. It's like no topic is off the table. And so we wanted to open that up and share that kind of talk with other people. Yeah. So we devised this podcast. It's a 20 to 30 minute podcast in which we just kind of freeform talk about the things that we talk about all the time. We hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Morning Commute. Hi, Sam. Hi. Uh, what do you think about looking at another voicemail? I would love it. We have another one here from Eric. Actually, we have a handful more from Eric, but uh, well, I guess we'll just listen to the next one. You ready? I'm ready. I had another question, so I'm listening right now to the drugs or recreational drugs episode. And I'm wondering what your feelings are on like uh, countries like Portugal, where they've pretty much legalized everything. And instead of treating drug addiction in the prison system, they treat it in the healthcare system. What are your thoughts on that? Man, he is a deep thinker, this guy, Eric. Yeah, yeah he should be a co-host. Seriously. What do you think of that, that system in general of legalize everything and take care of it in healthcare? I love it. Yeah. Isn't it in Canada where they have places where you can get clean needles? They have sort of a needle exchange and where they basically know that they can't eradicate it entirely. So they're going to do the best they can to help people either get sober or if they're going to engage in drug use to do it in the safest manner possible. Right. What are your thoughts? I mean, I think this is a theme throughout all of our episodes about drugs so far. It's hard to know how to have a strong opinion on some of it because I don't experience it firsthand. Not only have I never taken drugs, but nobody in my family has ever taken drugs. The closest thing that I have to any problems in my family with drugs is my grandfather was an alcoholic. And even that was non-existence after I was born. I only know about it through through legend, you know? So mm -hmm. my gut reaction is that's a better way to take care of it. Well, I'll back up a little bit. So my first thing is I think we make illegal too many things. There are probably a number of drugs that we have that are illegal that shouldn't be illegal. That being said, I don't know if I would go as far as saying everything should be legal. And I can't tell you where I would draw the line because I'm really ignorant as far as what the benefits and risks of every recreational drug are because A, I've never taken them and B, you can't trust street logic and see mm -hmm. i haven't looked into any of the other research i don't even think that I, you can trust the general research out there because a lot of what we heard growing up was every drug everywhere is nothing but bad it does mm -hmm. nothing but destroy and i'm considering ones now that are legal illegal to us was alcohol and legal now is marijuana and both of those are very harmful drugs in the wrong hands but also a good portion of people have zero problems with it because they know how to manage it so i am on the side of both of those should be legal but it's hard for me to have a strong opinion on everything else okay so as you were talking you know what i was thinking and Again, I want to apologize to Eric because I feel like he 
that's a clear question. And then we veer off into Kooktown. But to what extent do we have any business telling people what they can and cannot do to their own bodies? Uh, okay, so that's, I'm mixed on that. Okay. To the extent that you're only doing it to your own body, I agree. But do you not judge a single mother of three for doing heroin? Because of how it's going to affect your children. Because of how it's going to affect your children. Because you're not the only person that is affected by your drug use. Now, that doesn't mean that I think the, the correct solution for that. And I think that's where he's coming from. And, and the more I think about it, I think he's right. It just depends on what you mean by decriminalization. I don't think that the correct solution for that woman, that mother of three who's doing heroin, is for her to go to prison and her kids to go into the system. She should be treated with the healthcare system. But the real question is, what percentage of people just become part of the system because regardless of how much the healthcare takes care of them, they keep returning to a bad thing? What percentage of people who are in it get treated and they're fine after that? I guess those are the two things. And, and those are pretty important things. But even then, as I'm talking it out, nothing to me says, and therefore a better, a better thing to do is to put them in jail. The real problem at the core of it all is if the drug is having harmful effects on the family, then figure out a way to get the drug out. If it isn't, then what do we care anyway? The other question I have, again, not at all really related to what Erica was asking, but he made me think about this. Okay, so the mother of two on heroin. What if she's just as horrible? Oh, Sam, pay attention. She has three kids. Oh, sorry. Do you not care about Timmy? Timmy can manage on his own. He's 12. Um, so here's my question. There are crappy parents out there, right, who aren't on drugs at all, right. but are neglectful and cruel and just terrible parents. But the heroin woman is going to go to prison and have her kids thrown in the foster care system. And there are people who aren't on drugs who are probably just as horrible and nothing will happen to them. And the only difference is she's using an illegal substance. I mean, you could probably point to places in America where good parent of three goes to prison for selling marijuana. And mm -hmm. meanwhile, next door neighbor, single parent of three, doesn't do drugs and beats their kids every night. Mm -hmm. So in that situation, the, the drug isn't the problem being a bad person. <laughs> the other question that I'm wondering about, and again, I don't know enough about this, so I encourage Eric to call back in, but with Portugal decriminalizing drugs, is that drug use? or the sale of drugs, and, and how do we separate out that? I think if we're talking solely about using drugs, I think we should legalize everything, and I think we should tax it, and I think we should take the money that we get from the taxation of drug sales and funnel it into health resources to tackle the problem in a responsible way. All right, so let's build the system in real time. Let's build the perfect system. <laughs> All drugs are legal. Yes. Um, if you're five, is it okay to do cocaine? No, we would have to treat it like we do alcohol, where there's a certain age at which it's okay to start using it. Okay. Is the right age to start using alcohol 18, or do you think it's higher than uh, Isn't drinking 21? Uh, yeah, I guess you're right. I was thinking, I get confused between going into the military, the right to be killed, and the right to drink. Um, it's so similar. <laughs> I didn't drink until I was 27, so it's hard to remember yeah. the actual age is. So, I mean, because my, I mean, my same question applies, though. My drug card is 21. 
if you have a propensity to use cocaine, you probably will have sampled it before you're 21. Right. Heroin, all of them? Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's not pick on all the females. Single father of three, and he is a constant heroin user, and his kids suffer for that. What's the solution? The system solution, because we're building a government based around this. Okay, again, I use alcohol as an example. Mm -hmm. If we have someone who is a raging alcoholic who's raising kids and consistently gets a DUI, or the kids, there's a neglect report at school and the father gets called in for that. The yeah. only difference is if we're following Portugal standards, instead of being routed through the legal system, you would route the father through the healthcare system where he would get consistent psychiatric, therapeutic care. Um, the cursory glance I took at Portugal's decriminalization plan, a substitute drug. So maybe he's on hair. Did you say heroin or cocaine? Yeah, I'm getting it doesn't right. matter. I'm throwing out okay, stereotypical okay. school drug bad thing. All right. He's on cocaine. Perhaps there's a substitute drug to help him cycle down. Like whatever the Chantix version of cocaine is, you know what I mean? To slowly cycle him off. That would be my suggestion, that it's treated like alcohol. So I would imagine the way it's done right now is mm -hmm. dad goes to jail and kids go into the system. So mm -hmm. how is that one different? Treat dad, put the kids into the system temporarily, like two months or something like that, until he gets to a point that he can take care of his kids again and the kids go back? Yes. And I would say during that time that he's in rehab, because it's not prison, the kids can be integrated into his rehabilitation far more than they could be while he's in prison. Right. So let's say instead of the kids seeing him through a plate glass window in prison, they would go and he could learn parenting skills and they could talk out their feelings with him about what it's like to have a cocaine addict for a father. And they can participate in his recovery in a far deeper way right. than if he was in the slammer, in my opinion. Is there any ramification for being in the system forever? Mm. Like going to it, I'm cured, I go back three months later, I'm back in the system again because, you know, however you want to put it, I didn't learn my lesson, I'm in the system, I'm cured. Congratulations. We throw the congratulations party for finally he's getting back out and this time it's going to be all different and everybody's happy and we all have a hug and three months later back in the system. Is there any ramification for that or that's just the way the system works? That's a very good question. Again, I'm riffing, mm -hmm. but I would say if he consistently cannot maintain a level of sobriety where his children are getting the care that they need, then the children might have to be taken away from him. But I wouldn't necessarily throw him in a prison. Right. I might just let him destroy his own life with drugs. What do you think? How would you set it up? If you saw a father of three who was addicted to heroin, in your government model, how would he be treated? Very similar to yours, the thing that scares me the most is going into the system for a child is a really, really bad thing. Mm -hmm. I haven't heard a story yet, and that isn't to mean that those stories don't exist, but I haven't heard a good foster home story yet. You know, yeah. especially if you happen to be older, people who foster or adopt a kid want to adopt a one-year-old, not a 16-year-old. Mm -hmm. So where that system breaks down, and I don't know what the solution to it is, is the kids. Mm -hmm. 
it feels to me like the person that can take care of the kids the most is the family and also the people that can do the most damage to the kids is the family mm -hmm. and maybe there is no god <laughs> like maybe it's just not fair okay i have a solution All right ish but again what i'm not taking into account is the cost for any of this right but in in an ideal world if we're getting rid of prison and we're treating it like a health problem right Mm -hmm. um, and the addict is sent to rehab, there would be a sister kind of group home for the children. So they're not going to foster care. They're going almost to like a boarding school that's across the street from the rehab. So maybe they can have meals with their father. Maybe they can all get together and have group therapy as kids, whatever age they are, in terms of what this is meant to them, how they're affected by this, how they can avoid the same pitfalls. And so they're getting their own sort of rehabilitation, which they desperately need while their father is you know and the two of them are kind of working on it separately and together yeah one of the reasons i was throwing all of these at you and i kind of pulled up a, a site here that talks about portugal's decriminalization and how it looks like across the board although i didn't read it with a super fine tooth comb it looks like across the board it was pretty much a good thing crime didn't increase uh less people in jail because they're not being sent to jail for drugs. I mean, can we just look at it the same way that we looked at marijuana? When it was first floated out there to make marijuana legal, people were freaking out, thinking that because we were saying it was okay, suddenly the whole world was going to turn into Cheech and Chong, right? We thought nobody's going to get anything done. They're just going to sit around all day getting high. And that's not what happened. Right. Basically, after everyone got over the shock, it's just been kind of a blip on the screen, and I'm curious to know if it would be a similar situation if we did the same with these other drugs that we consider to be so destructive. I mean, that's kind of where I was going anyway, is I'm looking at a site that's talking about it right now, and it's basically drug use hasn't significantly increased. The, the rise of certain health problems hasn't increased. They wondered if maybe hepatitis B and C would go up because of needle use and stuff like that. Deaths have actually decreased, homicides have decreased, crime is better. So despite these problems that I try and throw out to like kind of test the system, at the end of the day, what I think is important is what the overall effect is. And it seems to be, if you can trust the numbers of that one page, overall positive. And that isn't to say that it wouldn't have some negative side effects. It's just trying to figure out what those negative side effects are. I mean, one of the things you know about me is I like knowing what the truth is. And especially I like knowing what the truth is when it's unintuitive. Mm -hmm. those, those weird things where you think one thing, but it's actually the other. And this mm -hmm. kind of fits into that envelope of at least a lot of people would tell you, you decriminalize everything and everything gets worse. And it looks like it has an overall benefit and you know the page that i read didn't have anything bad that happened but that can't be true every action has good and bad effects just a matter of managing what the bad effects are right yes i also wanted to add something that sounds a little conspiracy theorist sure but i want to float it out there which is drug use predominantly 
illegal sale of drugs and drug wars. I'm going to go out on a limb and say predominantly minority communities, mm -hmm. predominantly poverty-stricken communities. And I, I feel one of the reasons why we make it a crime is because of this systemic racism that exists in our country, which is, okay, let's let these people battle it out in the inner cities and throw them in jail, right, where they're not getting any help, any education, anything that's going to give them a leg up when they get out to make a better life for themselves. They're going to get out and go back to the exact same thing for the most part. Obviously, I'm completely generalizing. But I do think that a reluctance to make it a health problem, not a legal problem, is somehow tied to the systemic racism in our society. I agree. I think it's giving a lot of people not the tools. It, this is essentially what you were saying, I think, is not giving people the tools to succeed. And allowing people within a certain community, perhaps it's more about economics than race, but allowing people within a certain community to basically kill themselves off right? If you're not locked up in prison, then you're killing each other in a drug war right. and your children are growing up without their parents and falling into the same thing, the same pattern. Again, huge generalization, but I firmly believe there is a political reason that factors into why we keep things set up the way that we do. Well, and it's type of racism that I think just blinds you. And the reason I say that is because I think it's the racism that I had that I was unaware of until a couple of months ago, which is this, this sort of thing happens to them, right? This coronavirus isn't something that will affect America. It's the sort of thing that happens in places like China. We're somehow immune because we're American. I think it's that kind of racism where drugs and drug lords and drug selling and crimes and stuff like that. That's the sort of thing that Mexicans do, right? And it's okay to put them in jail because you just can't solve the problem of being Mexican. Mm -hmm. I hope that when I throw it out there like that, people don't realize that's actually Brad talking. Like I'm making stereotypical racist talk. The reason I can say it like that is because I've heard people say stuff like that. You don't understand mm -hmm. what Mexicans are like. Like I've been around them and this. And I would almost argue I was the one who pulled out the race thing, but I almost feel like it's economic racism, if that makes any sense, that there's a almost like an economic bracket where our country is willing to say, mm, let them kill themselves off, essentially, or yeah. end up in prison. Because the, the question I have about legalizing drugs, and again, this is hard to think about now because we're not kids, but I'm thinking in my 20s, if someone said to me, crystal meth is legal, I don't think that that would make me want to try it any more than it did when it was illegal. Right. I'm wondering if you feel similarly. Knowing that it's not illicit doesn't make it any more desirable to me. Yeah, but I think you and I are also a little bit different in that scenario. I don't know. I, it's another one where I'd have to hear from other people and see what they think about it. I didn't have my first drink until I was 27 again. And right. Marijuana is legal now, and I think I'm more likely to do it now than I was prior to that, but I still haven't tried it. And more likely to do it because it is now legal or because you're not religious anymore or combo platter? I think I'm goody two-shoes enough that it's, it's because it's legal. I don't have mm -hmm. to worry about everything that gets in the middle of it. But also, it's not like it was a big deterrent either because obviously I haven't rushed over to the, <laughs> to the corner store which is literally from my house, like a block away, a corner store. Uh -huh. I could walk there and walk back and be high before the end of the next podcast. 
Yeah, I you think know? there's a, a really long way around. Final conclusion, in my head anyway, is it should probably all be legal, but also that doesn't solve all of the problems. And I feel like in any situation, especially something like this, where you're dealing with a mass group of people, you'll never be able to solve all the problems. It's just what solution offers the least amount of problems. Right. But with that, we should probably sign off this episode. If you guys have reasons to chime in, and I would encourage it, because obviously in this scenario, Sam and I are kind of ignorant. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead and write to us at morningcommutesambrad at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voice message just like Eric did. And again, Eric, thank you so much for these really thoughtful and thought-provoking messages. They're really giving us something to chew on. So we appreciate it. But if you want to leave a voice message like he did, you can do that at anchor.fm forward slash morning commute Sam Brad. Thanks very much, Sam. Thank you. And thank you, Eric. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. 